I had a different direction that I felt like I was going to go this, for this meeting. And uh, uh, again, it's not a rare thing for a Saturday night. But I've got I've, I've to get a deal worked out with God that he can talk to me sometime other than between 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, but we're just, we're just going to go with God today uh, to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 21. I give great honor today to my bishop my pastor, my overseer, and uh, as I lead this church, he's got his hands on my life, and I thank God for that, and uh, if, it, if it ever bothers you to hear someone honor their man of God, you've got serious heart problems, <laughs> serious, serious heart problems. Brother Jones said it so well today, he said, there is nothing more holy on the earth than a man of God. And I honor today my pastor and the bishop of this church who is such a, a support to everything that God is doing here. Amen. I stand on tall shoulders today. Very tall shoulders. 1 Samuel chapter 21 will begin at verse number 1. Thank you to the guys in the back for just staying with me today. 1 Samuel 21. Then came David to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. The Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David. He said unto him, why did you come alone? There's nobody with you. And David said to Ahimelech the priest, the king hath commanded me a business and hath said unto me, let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee and what I have commanded thee and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now, therefore, what is under thy hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread. If the young men have kept themselves at least from women, and David answered the priest and said, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy. And the bread is in a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessels. So Ahimelech gave him hallowed bread. For there was no bread there but the showbread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord. And his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here under thy hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. The priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah. Behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it. And there is no other save that here. And David said, There is none like that. Give it to me. I'm going to preach to you today. There's no sword like the old sword. There's no sword like the old sword. Now, I know we usually take this time right here to pray for a few minutes, but I'm asking you to help me today to pray that God would prepare this room for what he wants to do in this place today. I believe God's going to help us. Would you do that? You lead us in prayer right now. Come on, church. Call out to the name of the Lord with me right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Somebody help me lift up Jesus right now.
we love you, Jesus. And would the church just shout amen today? Amen. Praise God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I, uh, I woke early this morning calling on the name of the Lord. There is something in my soul that I cannot seem to shake, nor do I desire to shake. And that is, I have such a fear in my heart of missing God. All my life, I have believed that there is something important about the way that we present ministry in the kingdom. And I was about 13 years old getting ready to uh, preach my first, hey, thank you, I'm going to need that in a minute, preach my first uh, official sermon to this church as a preacher of the gospel, which is scary. And uh, I, remember, I remember what I had on. I remember the suit, the olive green suit that I was wearing. I remember the tie that I had on and where I got the tie. I remember all that. I remember it just like it was yesterday. And I, I remember going to Bishop Bingham's house. It was uh, December the 31st. All the new preachers at FPC preached at watch night service. That's the way that we did it. Bishop had preached his first sermon at watch night service here. Uh, Mike Bingham preached his first sermon at watch night. It was just the way that it was. We preached our watch night sermon. And uh, I remember what I preached. I remember the title of it. But I remember being so afraid at 13, I don't know how, that I was going to miss God. Like that one sermon that I was going to preach for 11 and a half minutes was going to forever change the destiny of this church. And uh, I walked into my grandfather's house, and uh, at that time they had their piano against the other wall from where it is right now, and I walked over, was standing by that piano, and I, I could feel my, my legs just a little bit. They were kind of just shaking a little, you know, just kind of weak. And my grandfather walked in rhetorically, and uh, he said, uh, Son, are you nervous? And uh, I didn't really know how to answer that. Because if you show weakness to a bishop, then, like, there's no good answer. If I say, of course I'm nervous, then he has the power to say to me, well, then why didn't you seek God? At which point I say, I did seek God. Well, then why are you nervous? Because if, you, if you're nervous, that means you hadn't heard from God, right? So... I just, I finally just acquiesced to the idea that I'm a human and I'm a kid that has no, no clue what pressure is. And I said, man, Papa, I'm nervous. And he looked at me so sternly with compassion and he said, don't ever lose that. He said, don't ever lose that. What you feel right now, son, he said, don't ever lose that because you cannot afford to miss God. That wouldn't have fell from the big horseshoe over there. I'm just telling y'all. He said, whatever you do, don't miss God. And so today I stand before you and I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt in this house today that we're not going to miss God in this place this morning. God's going to speak to us in this place. Amen. And so I got up this morning and began to pace the floor and walk back and forth. I have a little rut in the living room. Where I seem to walk in the night. And the Lord meets me there. And I begin to seek the Lord. For direction for this day. And God spoke to my heart. And as he talked to me. I began to just write a few things down. We're not going to go to the deep end of the swimming pool today. We're going to stay pretty much in the shallow end. But God is going to help us. This meeting. Will form the culture of the future of this church. This is our second conference that we've had, and there's already a, a difference in the dynamic of what God is doing in this church. You stepped up last year to the challenge. You stepped up to the challenge last year, and because of your giving in our missions conference last year, we had the greatest financial year that this church has ever had in its history. While some men are complaining about their finances going down, some are complaining about people not coming back to church, 
I want to tell you that in the midst of what some have called a global pandemic, that God has blessed this church. We have grown numerically. We have grown spiritually. We have grown financially. God's hand has been on us, and I give God great praise for that today. Hallelujah. I give God great praise for that today, and it's because you amazing people love God. And so today, we're just going to dig into the word of the Lord. David is on the run for his life. This seems to be uh, something that happens quite frequently now in David's life after the anointing has shifted. It's always easy for uh, people with the spirit of Saul on them to throw javelins at David's when David really had nothing to do with it but be faithful to God. And the scripture tells us that uh, that Saul couldn't quite make up his mind how he really felt about David, that one minute he was wanting David to come in and play music that would soothe his soul, and then the next minute, literally just in moments' time, as he escaped that room, the Bible said that Saul threw a javelin and tried to pin him to the wall. I want to tell you that if there's something you're going to figure out in life, it's that anointing doesn't come for free. And it doesn't come without people watching what you're doing. And it doesn't come without uh, criticism of people who have longed to be anointed and carry that anointing. It doesn't come without that. There's always going to be javelins involved. But David had this understanding that if God is for you, it doesn't matter who is against you. FPC, I want to tell you that God has anointed this church. And God has anointed you precious people. And you are here. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I don't know why God would choose Anderson, Indiana. I don't know what it is about this town. But I had a man walk up to me just the other day in California, Brother Jones. And he said to me, he said, uh, it was Brian, plays the organ. He said, Brother St. Clair, I've got some things I need to share with you. I've never seen it before. He said, but I was doing some research the other day. And this guy is Harvard educated. He was doing some research the other day. He said, I found some research just the other day from uh, the early, early 1900s. He said, I'm talking before Azusa, that there was a man that God sent, and it was, it was specific in. He said, uh, it, just at the change of the century, right after 1900, God sent a man to Anderson, Indiana, to start Revival Fire. He said, I found it in research, and I've never seen it again. Church, you listen to what I'm telling you. I don't understand all of this. I can't tell you exactly how it works, and I've asked God for the last 22 years that I've been here what is it about this place and what is it about this city but I can tell you this that God has got his hand on this church and God has got his hand on this city and there is something in the spiritual atmosphere you don't have to believe it but I believe that this area this region is a portal for the glory of God I believe that the enemy knows that and I believe that's why there's so much wickedness in this city I believe that's why there's been so many spirits of religion in this city I believe that's why witches and warlocks have tried to establish themselves in the earth of this city but can I tell you right now that before there was ever a camp of witches and a camp of warlocks that there were angels sent here from God the Tassaba of God the host of heaven God had angels here and he said I'm marking off territory I'm going to have a church there and it will be a victorious church what are you saying Pastor, I'm telling you that you're in the right place at the right time, and God is going to use this church. Can't explain it, but God's going to use this church. And some of you, through this very meeting this weekend, are going to start catching the vision of how God feels about this church. How God feels about you. I spent several years of my life in a transition where folks would come to me. I can't tell you how many people I had come to me and they would say things to me like, I'm so surprised that you've just stayed right there. I'm surprised that you just stayed right there in Anderson and they said we always kind of felt like maybe you'd end up in the south and I'm like, I don't know why everybody up here thinks I'm a hick. But my answer is simply this. I always have just felt like there's something special 
in this church. There's something special in this city. And, 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 and I don't know how to explain it. But you can feel it when you come into this town. That the enemy has done everything that he can to blind the eyes. But listen, this is what we know for certain. And maybe even before that. But from at least right after 1900, there have been apostolic seeds of truth that have been planted in the soil of this city right here. And what I want you to understand is that the enemy has tried in every way that he can to establish thrones of religion in this city to try to do everything he can to blind the eyes but wherever there is apostolic seed that has been planted there will be apostolic harvest that comes from it I feel like telling you today that I've never stopped believing that God is going to use this church to turn entire congregations in this city. I still believe it with all my heart that through this church and the prayers of you precious people that we're going to baptize entire congregations in this city in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, then, then, then what are we going to do? I mean, good grief, if entire congregations have switched, then where are we going to put everybody? I think you're missing what I'm saying. I'm not going to pastor everybody that's going to be apostolic in this city. Because when I say God's going to do it, I'm talking about God's going to do it. They're going to have buildings. They're going to have resources. They're going to have finances. They're going to have teachers. If God can do it on foreign soil, God can do it right here. I've never stopped believing it, and I declare it today that it's going to start at the top, and, and there's going to be pastors in this city that are going to get the revelation of who Jesus is, and we're going to baptize them, and then I'm going to baptize their families, and then we're going to baptize their churches. We're going to break the strongholds of religion. We're going to break the strongholds of religion. I know some people are confused as to why certain sects and denominations have had such a difficult time in this place over the last few years. But I know why. Because God has a church and God has a people. I'm going to let one of my secrets out. Several years ago, I was driving through downtown, and uh, there's a large Catholic church here in town that had the same priest for a very long time, and I was driving by that church, and I felt the Holy Ghost speak to me to go in that church and pray, and I was like, oh, this is awkward. So I pulled in the parking lot, and I'm not going to lie to you that I was full of trepidation. And I got out of my car, and I walked up to the door, and I'm like, God, please let it be locked. Please. I'd been in there one time before, and it was with you, Brother McLean. You tried to make me a Catholic. I've been in there one time before, and I knew it was big. It was vast. It's a, it's a pretty big room. And I said, oh, God. And so I walked up to the door, and I'm like, I'm like, oh. So I was certain in that kind of an atmosphere that there would be a powerful prayer meeting going on that I could just walk in and blend in, right? And when I walked in, there was nobody in the building. You think it's freaky being by yourself in an apostolic church this size? You ought to walk up in that catacomb by yourself. I heard sounds that I'm pretty sure have never been recorded in Catholic encyclopedias. <laughs> I, walk, I walked down the aisle and I looked around and I thought, well, is anybody going to come out and greet me? Is anybody going to say anything? Like, is there anybody here? No, there's nobody there. So, literally, Brother Jordan went in Rome. There was Romans. So, I walked up to like the second row on the, on the right-hand side. My right hand, I guess it was the second row, maybe the third. 
And I reached down, and I pulled that little kneeling bench down. I'm like, this is neat. <laughs> and I'm down, and it's weird because my back's to the whole sanctuary, you know. And I'm like, oh, God, there's been some scary movies that started just like this. <laughs> and, and I'm kneeling, and, I, and, and this is what I said. Judge me if you want to. This is what I said. Not verbatim. I'll give you a short version. I said, God, you've put truth preaching churches in this city. And false doctrine is not the will of God. I said, so Lord, I want you to reveal truth to a measure like you never have to this priest. And I called him by name. I can tell his name. I said, I want you to reveal truth to this man. And I said, God, every time he steps to this pulpit in this room and he tries to teach the false doctrines of Rome, I want you to make him sick to his stomach because he knows he's lying on God. A few months later, I was standing in the funeral home. And I was talking to one of my friends there that works in the funeral home. We had a couple different services going. Once I was doing one and the other one was a Catholic funeral. And that man, that, that man that I prayed for, he came walking in to the little office area there, the left at loose. And uh, I said to the guy standing with me, I said, that's Father so-and-so, isn't it? He said, yeah, that's him. Listen to what he said. He said, yeah, that's him. They had to bring him back out of retirement to come do this funeral because he had known these people for so long. He just up and resigned from the church. He said he recently just decided that he had had enough and he was ready to resign. I kind of chuckled in my spirit. Because I want to tell you right now that God didn't send angels to this city for Rome to have an establishment here. God sent angels to this city for Jerusalem to have an establishment here that transpired in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. I have not seen nor been satisfied yet by the outpouring that I've seen. And that can only mean one thing. God is not finished yet. I'm talking about a revival that's so big we don't have a budget that can meet it. I'm talking about a revival that's so big you can't pay for it at missions conference. I'm talking about a revival that's so big that when we look back on it in history before the coming of the Lord, we're going to say, God, how in the world did we not see that coming like a freight train? God, you did it, and you said you were going to do it, and you're faithful to your word. This city has been notorious for mighty moves. I, I really don't fully understand it but there are people if you talk to the right people they'll talk about situations that happen like uh, in this community that were um, I guess what what you would call maybe latter rain the old glory barn there were outpourings here where God tried just basically like Azusa Street where God tried to pour out the fullness of truth and they would get the spirit but that was that was kind of it they would get the spirit and then they, they would stop at Jesus' name, baptism. And God's been trying to do it for a long time. But in 1929, God sent a young married couple and Sister Angie Jordan as a 17-year-old teenager to this city from Medora, Indiana. Medora, Indiana, almost 100 years ago. Like, if you blink when you go through Medora, you're going to miss it. But there was a Holy Ghost outpouring there about 105 years ago. And this young couple got the Holy Ghost in that revival. And Sister Angie Jordan, which was in this church all through my childhood, she was 17 years old and helped this young couple, I guess, with their family or whatever. And God spoke to that man who was not a preacher and said, you're going to go to Anderson, Indiana, and there will be disciples there. I wondered where the disciples came from, but apparently what Brother Brian was saying is where those believers came from. And in 1929, these people, this man was not a preacher, but they began to establish home Bible studies and began to teach the Word of God. 
And before long, they had a crowd that was gathering, and they needed a preacher, and they needed a building. So they got together, and a, and a group of them hand-dug the basement building at 19th and Lincoln. If you were ever in the 19th and Lincoln building, I want you to stand today. Nineteenth and Lincoln, God established some things in this city that cannot be undone. Now I'm just going to tell you today that there have been a lot that have tried. Come on, you're right. The enemy has tried several times through the years. And if you've been on the boat for very long, you know that he's tried. But here's the thing: this is God's church. And the gates of hell can't prevail against God's church. This church has survived the storm. They've survived the flood. And what the devil hates about this is that we're relentless. We're not going anywhere. We're going to keep on growing. We're going to keep on sowing. We're going to keep on sowing and keep on reaping. But here's what I want you to understand. There's some things that cannot change. And this is the fact of the matter. In 1955, R.B. Bingham came into this city to preach a revival for Brother Morgan. Eleven years later, having no clue, eleven years later, he would be voted in as the pastor of this church under circumstances that honestly, if I would have been a board member, I'd have said absolutely not, no way. Because when the board asked him, will you come? He said, I'll come, but you're going to do this, 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 and this. And you're going to take this board and do this with that. And you're going to move that and you're going to change this. And there ain't going to be no board that I'm going to be voted in on this, that, and the other. And he laid it down. He said, two days later, they called and said, Brother Bingham, congratulations. You've been elected as a pastor at FPC. What's that all about? That God sends generations before you to fight battles. Hey, I, I've looked through the book of Acts. I ain't found a board-ran church yet. God puts a man in a church with a burden in his heart for a city. And God uses that man to preach revival and outpouring. Hey, let me tell you something today, folks. I believe God's got a church in this city. And I believe God's got a man in this city that's hungry to have revival. I want to thank God for the union that he joins together with hungry people and a hungry preacher. I've never been more hungry than I am right now for a move of God. And I've let every devil in this region know. I've let the prince of this region know it's going to take more than you sent. To run me out of here, I speak revival over my city in the name of Jesus. We're not giving in to doctrines of convenience. Our roots run deep. When I started looking at men like G.T. Haywood in Indianapolis who walked into the hospital room of a man that was dying and the man told him, he said, Brother Haywood, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. But the doctor said, I can't. And Brother Haywood said, well, then I'll baptize you in Jesus' name. And the hospital, the doctor said, you're not baptizing him in here. He said, okay, then I'll take him down to Fall Creek. They said, no, you can't take him to Fall Creek. He'll die. He said, well, I'm going to baptize him in Jesus' name. He wants to be baptized. And he picked him up and he carried him out of the hospital. He was on his deathbed. Carried him out. And when he got down to Fall Creek, there were police officers standing down there. And they said, Reverend Haywood, if this man dies while you're in the water with him, we're taking you straight to jail for murder. He said, so be it. And he walked off in that water carrying that man. He didn't take water and sprinkle it over his head. He walked down into that water and he took that man into that dirty river he said upon the confession of your faith because you have repented of your sins and desire to be baptized I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and those police officers said we looked up and lo and behold that man came walking out of that river with Reverend Haywood 
this has never been about convenience what I'm saying to you is it doesn't matter what the government says it doesn't matter what the hospital says we're going to have revival That would have been a good time to back up and say, well, brother, they won't let us, so we'll just do what we can do. But it took a step of faith to walk off in that water and take the risk. You don't have revival without a risk. When David was on the run from Saul, his men were broke, busted, disgusted. Go read it. He was with a bunch of men that were in debt. They were messed up. They got hungry. So he said, I know where I can find help. And he went by himself to the priest, to Ahimelech. He said, I need some bread. But listen to me now. When he got there, the Bible said that although it really wasn't true the way all that worked out, that David was leading his men. He was anointed to lead. And sometimes God has to move things for it to happen. So the priest said, all I've got is holy bread. I don't have anything that's normal. I don't have anything that's common. He said, well, then I'll just take what you got. But when he took the bread to feed his men, the Bible said that he looked up and there was an enemy that was watching. His name was Doeg. You just hear your pastor when I tell you today. Anytime you're pursuing after the hot bread of the kingdom of God, there's always going to be an enemy that's watching. We can't act like we're just persecuted because we're the first generation that's ever had a devil try to fight us when we have revival. The 21st century church, if I could just say it plainly today, we're going to have to pull up our big boy britches and square up our shoulders and say we're not the only time that an enemy has ever tried to stop revival. David, if you're going to take food to hungry men, you're going to have to fight your way out. The Bible said that he got the bread. He put the bread under his arms. He started to walk out, and then he saw Doeg. So he realized in that moment, I didn't just come for bread. I'm going to have to fight. I think this is a spirit that's going to have to be undone in the 21st century. Everybody wants bread, but nobody wants a sword. Nobody. I'm telling y'all, I fasted till my belly buttons, back of my belly buttons, kissed my spinal cord. Sought God, prayed, and even while you're seeking God, you still have trouble. <laughs> Now, there was a time that this would make you bulldog mad. But forgive me if it sounds like I'm being negative. I'm not. But in this generation, it's like when we hit resistance, we just stop. It's like, no way. It's too easy to just go without it. Well, here's what you have to know about me. And I believe this spirit's on this church. Now, I'm not just talking about people that occupy seats. I said on this church. Talking about people that are bought into the vision. People that have bought into what God's doing. I believe the Spirit's on this church. Of people that cannot be satisfied to just sit by until the coming of the Lord. We have a spirit that's getting on some of you people in this church right now. That says give us children or else we die. There's a spirit that's coming on this church that has nothing to do with what position you hold or who you work for, what, what all that's about. You are so hungry for revival that you'll start canceling parties and you'll start canceling ball games in order to go teach Bible studies and sit down at people's tables and tell them of the goodness of God. Hey, I'm telling you, I speak it in the name of Jesus that what God is doing in the soil of this church over the next 7, 8, 12 months... You're not going to recognize this church. Some of you started trying to do right. And now you're facing insurmountable odds. You got court cases in front of you. You got marriages that are troubled right now. You got kids that are against you right now. You got courts that are against you right now. But you're about to have a get up in your spirit. Something's about to snap in you in this meeting today. And you're going to stand up and declare, if God is for me. 
Listen, it's a ship that's coming. And I'm going to say this today because I feel doing the Holy Ghost. But you listen to what I'm telling you. If you've, been, if you've been doing everything you're doing from your job, your, your retirement, your education, all that around the kingdom of God. If that's what you've been doing because you felt led of God, that is the will of God. Everything that you do is for the kingdom of God. Don't you let some sourpuss keep you from investing in the kingdom of God. That's the most safe investment you'll ever have for your family and for your children. I'm telling you right now today that the glory of God is going to rest on people who will take God at his word and seek first the kingdom of God. In the last year. We've had, had young people, younger people in this church that have walked away from salaries. They've walked away from jobs. We had a young man in this church, and I'm not blowing smoke up anybody's stack. I'm just telling you. We had a young man in this church who had it sealed up. He had, he had the job to be a police officer. It was his dream. He had the job to be a police officer in this town. And he came to me and he said, Pastor, he said, it's my dream job. But I started seeking God. He said, something got a hold of me and the Lord told me, I didn't create you to be a police officer. I put some kind of anointing on you that's bigger than being a police officer. I said to that young man, I said, son, that's got to be your idea and not my idea. If it's your idea and God spoke it to you, then do it. Hey, I want to tell you right now, when you start seeking God first, there's no limit to the doors that God's going to open in your life. No limit. There's no limit to what God can do. But the borders that we build in our world... Our borders of confinement. And we say, well, this is what I've always dreamed to be in, so this is what I'm going to be. Now, God, however you can fit your life and your schedule and your plans for me into these borders right here, that's what I'm going to do. I wanted to be a doctor, so use me as a doctor. Well, God may want to use you as a healer, but it may not be a doctor. Now, we need doctors. We need apostolic doctors. We need apostolic lawyers. We need apostolic businessmen. You know, I've been preaching that for years. And God's doing it. We got, we got an entrepreneurial spirit in this church. It started moving and resting. They're not blabbermouths walking around talking about their success. But God's doing it right now. He's opening doors for people, making ways for people. That's why in the middle of a pandemic that the, the finances of this church have been blessed. Because God's using you and God's working through you. And God's going to do miracles in you. Listen, I don't care what happens to the economy. And I don't care what happens to gas prices. God's got a church. <laughs> Somebody said, man, I feel sorry for evangelists right now that are pulling trailers and driving motorhomes. I said, why? If you're a God-called evangelist. You're going to have fuel in your truck. If you're not, go home and sit under your pastor. Man, that was free. I figured at least two people clap on that. God called me to be an evangelist. No, he didn't. If you're still calling people five years in saying, hey, could you use me? God didn't call you. Amen. Thanks, Layton. My buddy's got me. He's going to stand over there. Listen. We need to walk in the surety that we've been called by God. If you're going to be an evangelist out of this church, and there's going to be some. If you're going to be a missionary out of this church, and there will be some. I'm not going to have to cut a trail for you. I'll do everything I can to help you. But I'm not going to have to blaze a trail for you. I'll promote you, and I'll help you. But men don't blaze trails for people that are called of God. Young men, I want God to call you to be evangelists. I want God to call you. But understand me right now. I'm not going to go knocking on doors and saying, hey, I believe God's called this guy. If the Lord tells me to do it, I'll do it. But when God opens a door, I can't close the door. I can't open that door. You know how you know a God-called evangelist? They're not begging for bread. 
They don't live like they're forsaken. God's going to do it. He's going to do it through this church. We're going beyond borders. I've said it. If the Lord gives us time, surely, someday, hopefully. Maybe not. I don't know how to feel about it. Maybe we'll build another building. In Jesus' name. Then I'll look great like you, Dad. Three girls is working on it pretty good right now. <laughs> man, I got to be careful how to tell this story. This man was standing in front of a mighty man of God. I just heard this the other day. The pastor looked at him. He said, called him by name. He said, son, you dyeing your hair? He said, not after tonight. Not no more. I just got convicted. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, God takes care of his own. God takes care of his own. The Bible said that David walked in there on a mission for bread. But on his mission for bread, an enemy was looking over his shoulder. He said to Ahimelech, he said, You wouldn't happen to have a sword, would you? Now, if this was a pastor's conference, I'd preach this, but it's not. I think it's a dangerous place if you have to ask a priest if he's got a sword. Because I think every priest ought to have a sword somewhere within an arm's reach. But David said, you, you wouldn't happen to have one, would you? He said, uh, I do, David. He said, you might recognize this one. He said, this is the sword. That slew Goliath. And he said this sword. It's in the back room over here. It's wrapped up in the ephod. Which is the garment that the priests wear. He said it's, it's wrapped up in the priest garment. He said you know what David. He said there's no sword. Like this sword. You've never seen a sword like this one. Now listen. This is where we're at. Yeah, that's what it was, Pastor. That God was trying to tell David that we're stuck in a cycle. And there's only one way to fight. You gotta you gotta do it exactly the same way every time. If you believe that, you're silly. Because that would mean that God was telling David to go resurrect Goliath and slay him again with the same sword. I'm not asking God to resurrect old fights and old revivals in this church. I thank God for what we've had. But I don't really want what we had before. I don't. I was there for it, Dad. We've seen it. We've seen 40, 47, 48, 49 people get filled with the Holy Ghost in 11 weeks. You were there, Sister Martha. We saw God do it. I don't want that. I'm not saying it's be ugly and God knows my spirit and so does my bishop. I don't want a weak 49-soul revival. We've passed that way. I'm telling God right now, I'm not going to be happy till there's 100, 150, 200 entire congregations. This sword may have been used for Goliath, but now it's not for Goliath. This sword is the what that reminded David of the how. It, it wasn't the what that was telling, hey, this is how you're going to do it, son. You, you're going to defeat that same. No, no. I'm tired of the 21st century church fighting the same old giants over and over and over. It's time for us to recognize that Goliath hasn't pursued us for a long time. And God's not given us Goliath's sword so that we can slay Goliath again. It's a new battle. It's a new day. It's a new season. But if we're going to have victory, we're going to have victory the same way over this that we did over that. When his hand touched that sword, 
Somebody reached up and grabbed this the other day. They said, is it real? I said, don't do that. Yeah, it's real. Himalek handed it to him. It was like a reel began to go in his mind. I remember the day. I remember the day. I remember the day that my dad sent me. Take a little crackers and cheese to my brothers. I remember the feeling of rejection when I got there and they asked me, what are you doing here? I remember Saul looking at me and saying, you're not anointed for this. He said, I, rem I remember Saul looking at me saying, hey, well, let's go ahead and use my armor. I'm going to tell you all something. I ain't using nobody's armor that's empty. The spirit of Saul says, I'm not brave enough to use it, but you can use mine if you want to. I'll stand here and tell you how to do it, although I don't think you're anointed to do it. It's the spirit of Saul. Saul's got empty armor, but he wants somebody else to wear the armor. And David said, I remember that boldness that came over me when Saul said, I don't think you can do it. And I said, well, I don't think your armor's been tried. So I think I'll just stick to something that I know. And as the flashback began, I just, I, I wasn't there. And I don't know, but I know how my, my, my mind works. And if his mind was anything like mine, all of a sudden, Brother Harrison, he was running in his mind full pace again towards something that was way bigger than he was. That if God didn't step in and God didn't intervene, he was going to fail. In this generation, God is calling this church not to run away from it, but to run towards the giants that stand before us and declare you may come to me with a sea shield and a sword but we're coming to you in the name this is familiar this is familiar to me I, 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 I felt this before and Ahimelech looks at him and he notices there's a faraway look in his eyes like David was just talking to me three minutes ago he's been standing there staring that sword his mind's not here his mind's not on the bread his mind is on the fact I've walked this way before I felt this in my hands before but I want to tell you something that's powerful about this sword this wasn't David's sword to start with this was the enemy's sword and when God delivered the enemy into David's hand David said I'm not going to kill him with something that belongs to me he said I'm going to take his own sword I'm going to take the very thing that he tried to destroy me with. I'm going to take the very thing that he said I'm going to cut your head off with and feed it to the buzz. I'm going to take the very thing that you tried to kill me with and I'm going to cut your head off with it. Can I just shout it from the mountaintops today that what the enemy meant for evil? This church is about to get a hold of an old sword. We're about to take some things that we've taken from the enemy. And they've been in a safe place until now. But it's time to fight something new. And we're going to fight something new with an old sword. And we're going after it with all we've got. But this isn't just any sword. It's the things that we've taken from the enemy over the years. We're going back to the 11 weeks and the 10 weeks. And the 7 weeks with Nathan Thornton. And we're going to grab the same sword that we took from the enemy. And we're going to destroy him. David's holding that sword. He said, God, take me back to the place where if you don't help me do it, if the supernatural doesn't help us. Folks, listen. I'm not a fool. I'm going to tell you something. I thank God that I have an easy personality. I really do. I'm like, I can hang out with anybody. I'm, I'm, I'm easy going. And I thank God for that. If you could build a church just on liking people, we could, I, I think we could do it. I like people, most of them. And I think we could do it. But when it involves the compromise of who we are, just so that we can put some, forgive me for being crude, just put some rear ends in seats. just want rear ends and seats, Brother Joe. I'm glad your rear ends in that seat. 
He said, me too. I'll never forget. I was standing in the pro shop at the golf course working. He walked in. He said, got a question for you. He said, I went to another church. He said, uh, I understand you guys are Jesus only. What's that mean? I said, woo. He came up the other night. We were just reminiscing about it. Do you understand me when I tell you? It's the same sword that pierced the heart of this precious man. Same sword that pierced the heart of this precious woman and this precious man in the 11-week revival. It's the same sword. Sister Carol, it's the same sword that you had to use in Craig. Get bold, do dumb things. Put it in the newspaper. Was it $1,000? $10,000? He said. Neil said, I'll give $10,000 to the first person in Craig, Colorado, in the newspaper. Give $10,000 to the first person that can prove to me someone was baptized any other way than in Jesus' name in the book of Acts Church. I just want to be sweet to people, Pastor. I do too. But if iron sharpening iron, sparks are going to be flying. And at some point, the doctrine that you're teaching is going to be contrary to their doctrine. And there's going to have to be something that comes alive in them that says, you know what? That Jesus' name message sounds a little more sharp than what I've been dealing with. Because if you baptize me in a title, I'm just going to go down wet, dry, and come up wet. But if you baptize me in the name, I'm going to go down a sinner and come up redeemed. God's going to have to help us. We know, listen to Pastor, we know the what. We know the what. We know how to do it. But we can't get it done in the sanctuary. I've slowed down for a reason. We can't get it done on a pew. You start looking, the synagogue in the first century was not used for evangelism. They evangelized at the gate of the temple. Miracle signs and wonders were done at the gate and done in the street. And then people followed them into the temple. Pastor, don't you believe we ought to invite people to church? I do. But I think we ought to make them fall in love with Jesus before they fall in love with the church. I want them to fall in love with Jesus so that if they don't live in Anderson, Indiana, they may not come to my church. They may go to church somewhere in Arkansas. They may go to church somewhere in Louisiana. If they're anywhere close to Roatan, Honduras, they only got one choice. It's going to take the same sword. I felt this before. I know that it worked. But then comes that question. What if it don't come through this time? What if God doesn't do it for me this time? What if God's promised all these things? I'm telling you, if I've ever known it, I know it today. I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. That there has been a spirit of doubt that has gripped the hearts of some of you precious people that have caused you to wonder if it's even worth paying the price. Well, let me give you the answer today, but you got to get it in your soul. There is nothing more worth it than winning somebody to Jesus. Nothing. no sword like an old sword we're not praying and fasting seeking God so that we can revisit an old revival that happened in this church but it's going to take the same prayer and dedication looking at some pictures when Mark Mensendick had us do photo shoot for our capital campaign Dad, I think it's the first time in my life I'd ever seen you with like a 32 waist. (laughs) 
he bought this slicked up suit with black pants and green window panes and an olive green jacket. Had to buy him a new suit for the pictures. Because he was in a, coming off of 40 days. Pastor Thornton, I wish there was a shortcut. I wish us talking after church on Sunday night every week would make this easier. Let us know. Can't tell you how glad I am you're sitting here today. Because I'd walk in my prayer closet and my mom and dad would say, hey, baby. Brother Snow is in the middle of a 40-day fast in India. Oh, yeah, it's because he's going to go preach a conference. <laughs> no, it's because he wanted one more soul. What God wants to do in this place right now is not going to be encompassed with dancing shouting we're not going to emotionalize this thing right here God is about to do a heart work in this room right now that's going to start taking you beyond borders every spirit of fear that's kept you locked up from that extended fast God's been calling you to God's going to break it off you today every spirit of fear that you've had some of you by faith went and bought a Bible study chart and a Bible study book but after you got out of my reach and you got out of those couple weeks of sessions, you're like, I just don't think I can do it. Now you got one collecting dust. But oh God, something's about to move us beyond borders in this room today. Spirits of fear are about to fall off. I would invite the music to come right now, but I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't feel like this is going to be a music altar call. It's not going to be a music altar call. And I'm not going to make this easy for anybody. We do it all the time. And we just say, these altars are open, so if you want to come. And we walk with 25 people at the same time. I'm telling you today that if you want God to bring you to a new level where you're not led by fear and flesh anymore, you're making decisions now. As you walk in the spirit because you're going beyond the borders of your flesh. I'm just inviting you. Nobody's, nobody's begging. Nobody's demanding of you. But God's going to do it right here. We could play just the right song right now for this timing. But listen. I'm talking about you're getting out of your comfort zone like you never. I don't care if you've been in church for 40 years. You're ready for God to wreck you. You're ready for God to turn you inside out and say, Lord, I've been a spectator for way too long. I'm ready to be a participator. I'm ready to win somebody to Jesus. Oh, yes, we're, we're going to give tonight. Hopefully, we're going to take up the largest offering we've ever taken up tonight for missions. But it's a lot easier to throw $1,000 or $5,000 in the offering and not win a soul. We're, we're not, we're not going to give our way out of soul winning. You can't do that. We're going to give some money that's going to go towards winning souls, and then we're going to go win a soul. Uh, come on. It's in the house right now. Expand my borders. God, expand my territory. Expand my mind today. Stretch my faith today, God. This isn't about a show today. This isn't about emotionalism today. This is God reaching for you tonight. Pulling, tearing, stretching. God, whatever you have to do to me in this altar right now. Whatever you have to do in my life, Lord, whatever you have to take away from me, whatever you have to remove from me that I've put in front of you, move it, God.
You're going to have to grab yourself by the nap of the neck, pull your old flesh up today and say, God, whatever's been keeping me out of my prayer closet, I'm going. Whatever's been keeping me from fasting, I'm going. Come on, y'all know I'm talking to you today. You got to get sick of fighting God. You got to get sick of fighting the plan of God in your life. Some of us have got so adjusted to just being out of the will of God that it feels normal to us. Oh. God may be calling a missionary in here today. God may be calling an evangelist in here today. But God may be just calling you to knock on your neighbor's door. He may just be calling you to talk to your boss. He may just be calling on you to start that business. He may just be calling on you today to walk by faith. I know this has been extremely long today. I realize that. But what I've carried to this pulpit today, I've got to put before you, and I want to tell you. Brother Jones was in the Holy Ghost in such a powerful way last night as he was talking about missing what God used to do in that small meet, in that small meeting space. Because that's the very thing that I've been praying to God. I remember the small prayer room in the old building downstairs. I remember the small sanctuary when our, our choir was so full in that loft. It was so hot. If we'd have had 10 air conditions, it, like, it couldn't have cooled it down. It was hot. Man, we would sing and the power of God would fall. The Holy Ghost would move. I got to praying this morning, probably 4.30 this morning. I said, God, I miss the hunger that I felt through the years. When our backs were against the wall with our mortgage payment, and we didn't know if we were going to make it to the next month. I said, God, I, I miss that pressure that we felt like that if you didn't do it, it wasn't going to be done. I don't want God to have to take me back to where I've been. For me to do what I need to do. But we have to realize there's only, one, there's only one way to do this. The old sword works. It's going to be prayer, fasting, worship. We ought not let four or five people stand up here. I'm pastoring you for a minute, all right? There ought not just be four or five people up here in the front during worship. It ought to be packed up here wall to wall. Excuse me, excuse me. I'm going to get it. It ought to be packed standing back in the aisles. God is moving us outside of our comfort zones. He's taken us somewhere that we've never been before, but we're going to have to do what we've never done. And we're going to have to be willing to take the same sword that's worked and learn how to fight with Doeg like we did with Goliath. But it's going to be different because this, this is not a giant. This is a different fight. We've never fought what we're fighting in 22. Never. We've never fought this. But I believe the old sword will work. It ain't going to take new doctrine. It's not going to happen praying less. I mean, dear God, you think it's going to happen if we have less church? That's the answer. Surely let's go to one service on Sunday. Oh, yeah, that'll work. God, you've given us the sword. 
Now give us the heart that whatever we've got to do, we're going to have a breakthrough. I'm hungry. God, I'm hungry. I'm desperate for you, God. This is probably the longest I've ever preached on a Sunday morning. But I feel God digging some things out of us today. I'm telling you, there's some pride that's going right now. There's some shame that's going right now. There's some fear that's leaving right now. I mean, you're going to begin to physically feel it right now. If you've been bound up by a spirit of fear and intimidation, I just want you to lift your hands. It's going to fall off of you right now. I've tried so many times, Pastor, and I fail when I get to a certain point. I go far, then I fail. I, I go to a certain place, it's like a plateau, then I fall off. No more. It's different today. You're going to answer the questions whether or not God's called you to it or He hasn't. And I believe that He has. There's no sword like the old sword, so let's go get it. Let's get a hold of it. It's going to be so powerful in here tonight. Pastor Thornton's going to come in here and preach to us. God's going to change our lives. You're free to go whenever you want to go today, and you stay as long as you want to stay. This sanctuary is open all day today. You do what you need to do. Please don't miss tonight. Don't miss tonight. God's going to do something that's going to change the course of this church. I feel it. God's going to do something powerful in here tonight. Find a place and pray for Brother Thornton today. God would help him. I know he's carrying something to this pulpit. I love you, church. We'll see you tonight in the prayer room. Be dismissed in Jesus' name.